You're listening to the Optimal State Podcast. Here we go. Hive Mind Detonation in three, two, one. Confronting the lies and bringing the truth to light. The, truth. the mainstream you can't handle the truth. has been put on notice. This is the Optimal State Podcast. Hello, compadres. Welcome to another episode of the Optimal State Podcast. Today is Friday, March 2nd, 2023. Does it feel like spring yet? We have an awesome one for you today, guys. Truly awesome. Truly. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing uh, a little guy goes by the name of Tony. Tony Fauci. Yeah, he's the star of this it's a really great book. It's called uh, The Real Anthony Fauci by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And yeah, we're going to be reading a little from it today. We're also going to take a look at some Trump and DeSantis news. And uh, we'll talk a little about independence, the concept. I mean, what, what does it even mean, really? What does it mean to you? Do you think that you'll be able to take care of the world around you without taking care of yourself first? We'll get into that. We'll get into all that and more. But first, if you haven't already, if you could please just take a second, follow us on whatever platform you're listening to us on, or uh, just reach out to us. The socials are at Optimal State Pod or Optimal State Pod at Gmail. All right. All right. Of course, this show would not be complete without. My co-captain. How are you doing, Mr. Adam? Yeah, how are you doing, there, Jared? <clears throat> and what's up, Internet World? Uh, <clears throat> it's funny when you brought up uh, Andy Fauci. I just thought about when uh, they interviewed him on, I think it was uh, CBS News. And said, you gotta wear the mask, you know. You got the schmutz on it, you know, and you can't, you know, you you fiddle around with it. You might, you know, you might get somebody sick. You know, it's like, oh, Rand, you set your bully to me. Yeah, Dude, I, th- yeah. I think we have an advantage because we're from the Northeast and I think we're surrounded by so many Italians, so many Jews, so many just New Yorkers in general, uh, Long Islanders, Staten Islanders. They they all kind of they, they all have a little bit of a, a little something. I, I don't know. So, Adam, I have a question for you, dude. Would you consider yourself clever? Clever? Yeah, like like uh, a, a clever individual. Yeah, clever like a fox. Um, it's, funny. it's actually a Homer Simpson quote. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I get. Yeah, I mean, I would say so. Uh, I would say that I could. I could. I could be clever. What about yourself? Yeah, I'd say so, for sure. Well, I guess we could kind of break it down, right? Like, it, it kind of, it seems like a word that needs to be broken down. So what do we kind of mean by that, really? I mean, uh, I guess it usually means smart, someone who has uh, novel ideas, right? Yeah, someone who thinks outside the box. Um, somebody that uh, can... You know, knows like workarounds and can 
find answers and places that um I guess a person who wouldn't be clever uh would. You know what I mean? You'd say like a visionary, someone who could see some sort of outcome and move some pieces around and move towards that in some fashion, right? I mean that's kind of being clever. Yeah. Um in order to get things done, I think you have to be clever. Um, in order to be able to, yeah, I mean, like you said, like to build, you know, if you if you need to build a house, you need to be clever on, you know, uh, you know where the building's being put up, the foundation, all that stuff. So it's like, I think that in order to be clever, you have to, you know, know how to, um, do things in a way that other people wouldn't normally see on a daily basis. Well, yeah, there you go. Okay, I was going to give you a little pushback there because I was going to say, so I think when you build structures that are like, uh, like that have a blueprint per se, that doesn't necessarily indicate that uh, the process requires cleverness. Uh, well, it it well, requires some sort of wisdom. Well, I was gonna right, say but no, I just want to say cleverness has that. What's that? Go ahead. No, I was just going to say sometimes. Uh, you know, you have a blueprint, but a lot of things could go wrong. So you got to find answers to problems. Sometimes you have to be clever in order to solve those problems. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Very true. Okay. So ultimately, we're saying that it's it's being intelligent, but being able to see beyond maybe the present. So when we define clever, we're we're defaulting to a good interpretation of it. Do you think that there's a bad sort of clever? Do you think that cleverness could be bad? Or is cleverness always good? Oh, of course it could be used for bad purposes. Because uh, there would always have to be some sort of um, counter um, to anything that's good. Or if he's looked at as good. I'm sure there's, you know, there's plenty of evil, clever people out there. The shifty mason. For sure. Well, yeah, and it, it's... How do we define that sort of evil cleverness, right? Okay, if we're sticking with the definition of what we had before, it's kind of uh, establishing a vision. It's seeing a, a systematic sort of steps to get to that vision. So if we're going to say what's the bad version of that, it would ultimately be what? It would be a systemic sort of destructive behavior, right? Or ultimately, maybe it's not so much defined by the behavior it's more defined by the intentions behind the behavior. Well, so thing, maybe really cleverness comes down to largely intention almost. One thing, right? Like whether you're going, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Sorry. I, ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was saying one thing about being clever is you have to have a certain understanding of whatever it is that you're dealing with. Because um, I, I think that like the way that you know, you're explaining it is that I, I, I think that whoever is, you know, these people who are using their cleverness in an evil way, they have a certain understanding of who they're dealing with, you know, the public and what they need to do in order to be clever. Exactly. I'd say that's spot on the money. And it's like the master liar, really, because I'd say that that sort of cleverness is, is ultimately inverting the truth, right? It's like, it's, it's a way of gaining power by, doing what you were saying is kind of pulling one over on the public and doing it in a way where you are now the master wizard. 
and the people if the people let him do that right uh what's interesting is like it's it almost sounds like parasitic but i'd say it's more like vampiric vampiric right like a vampire uh so in dracula the the count dracula when he came to england he was feeding on jonathan harker the main character if you ever see the movie it's keanu reeves's character so his wife's best friend the count was feeding on her her name was lucy like night after night and lucy fell under his influence ultimately and became a vampire herself so i I bring that up just because i'm talking about ultimately a uh how cleverness in its most evil way really can manifest as a sort of vampiric entity because that's and I think a, a lot of folklore kind of recognizes that like the witch comes from somewhere the same way that the vampire comes from somewhere too. But um, it, it, this is an interesting segue because, you know, I think it's, it's funny. Brad Pitt wanted to play this guy in a movie, uh, but, you know, kind of jumps into our, our discussion about Anthony Fauci. So, I mean, a- Adam, anything you wanted to kind of just put right out there when you hear the name Anthony Fauci? Well, anything you want to, I mean, our, our listeners, I'm sure, know our, our friend Tony Fauci, but maybe not so much your your opinions about the guy. Um, Well, he's been obviously a government bureaucrat for quite some time, since I, I believe the 80s, and maybe even before that. I'm not sure what his uh, feelings were in before he became the, um, I don't know, was he the head of NIH or something like that? Um, or yeah, ultimately. Yeah. yeah, that was like, I think, his most lofty position. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> I mean, this is a man that told us, the public, that children would get AIDS if they you know shared the same toilet as them. Uh, this is a guy that really just seems to make stuff up. And this is my observation uh, from, you know, just me watching videos of him and listening to him and seeing his mannerisms. Uh, He seems like he is just peddling, you know, government, you know, government funded nonsense uh, when it comes to, um, you know, the COVID and AIDS and all that stuff. I mean, you know, obviously he didn't know what AIDS was actually actually was if he was saying that kids could get AIDS from sitting on a toilet together. And there's video of that. You can look that up. That's not even something that me like, you know, I didn't hear that from somebody. You can literally look up a video of him stating this. Uh, was that on 60 Minutes? Was that from the 60 Minutes interview? It was like, it was like back in the 80s. I, yeah, I, I forget what interview it was. There's, a, there's an infamous 60 Minutes interview, which I believe was largely scrubbed from – most of like the public internet, like the public, the the mainstream facing internet. Well, I, I mean, so uh, you you just look up Kerry Mulis and what he had to say about Fauci. He Kerry Mulis was the guy that uh, invented uh, the COVID or the PCR test. And there's right. a video of him just saying Fauci's a joke. Basically, he's like, I tried to get him to debate me in college at at a college, and he wanted no part of it. He's just some guy that is just literally like the head of the NIH, a government bureaucrat with a narrative uh, that's obviously getting paid a lot of money. 
to right, know, and he, he completely he was a used the boy, wasn't he? Yeah, that exactly. He was a the high, and he's a public servant, and and he's making something like I, I'm not sure how much, but something close to a million dollars. They're like, but they're the like other thing, finances. It's just like, well, if someone's leaving you fucking a garbage bag full of money on your doorstep, that ain't gonna matter. Like, we don't know what's really going on. I'm not saying that's what happened, but um, it just seems like he's just too embedded with the vaccine companies and big pharma. He just doesn't come off as a trustworthy guy that um, that I can put my trust in. And let's just put it this way. I did everything the exact opposite with Anthony Fauci said, and I'm fine. Yeah, most people who did are fine, whereas the ones who followed suit uh, at the at the very least cut years off their life from how hysterical they were and how nervous they were. Yeah. From whatever cardiovascular conditions they gave themselves because of that. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, I'm surprised somebody so close to death because he's in his 80s would still want to manipulate the public and do terrible things when he's getting closer to the end. Well, I don't think he knows much what else to do. This is he built a a large empire for himself. I mean, I could read this is I am going to read from this uh, book in a second because it actually details that it details like the the part of his his rise because he's been a government bureaucrat since 1968. So uh, let me get into this. Okay, again, this is the real Anthony Fauci. After completing his residency at Cornell Medical Center, Dr. Fauci joined the NIH in 1968 as a clinical associate at the NIAID, one of two dozen of the NIH's sub-agencies. In 1977, he became deputy clinical director of NIAID. Oddly, his specialty was applied research in immune-mediated illness, a subject of increasingly grave national concern. He would spend the next 50 years largely ignoring the exploding incidence of autoimmunity and allergic diseases, except to the extent they created profitable markets for new pharmaceuticals. Dr. Fauci became NIAID's director on November 2nd, 1984, just as the AIDS crisis was spiraling out of control. But when Dr. Fauci assumed leadership of NIAID, the agency was a backwater. And again, the NIAID is the... uh, what is it? The National Institute of Autoimmune Diseases, right? I think I'm not seeing that anywhere, but I'm pretty sure that's what it stands for. But uh, at the time, peanut allergies, asthma, and autoimmune diseases, uh, for example, diabetes and rheumatoid arthritis, were still so rare that their occasional occurrences in school children were novelties. Most still so rare that their occasional in- oh I read that most Americans had never seen a child with autism. Only a tiny handful would recognize the term until the 1988 film Rain Man introduced it into the vernacular. Cancer was the disease Americans increasingly feared, with nearly all the attention at the NIH and the bulk of federal health funding going to the National Cancer Institute. But worst of all, by the era of Dr. Fauci's ascendance as an ambitious bureaucrat at the NIAID, infectious diseases were no longer a significant cause of death in America. I'll read that again. 
Worst of all, by the era of Dr. Fauci's ascendance as an ambitious bureaucrat at the NIAID, infectious diseases were no longer a significant cause of death in America. Dramatic improvements in nutrition, sanitation, and hygiene had largely abolished the frightening mortalities from mumps, diphtheria, smallpox, cholera, rubella, measles, pertussis, never even seen that before purpural fever influenza tuberculosis and scarlet fever the devastating lethality from these former scourges that decimated earlier generations of americans had dwindled from 1900 when one-third of all deaths were linked to infectious diseases for example pneumonia tuberculosis diarrhea through 1950 Infectious disease mortality decreased dramatically, except for the Spanish flu. I guess they're not including that part. Uh, leveling off in the 1950s to what to to what we see today, about five percent of all U.S. deaths. So here, this is uh, this is pretty interesting. Annual deaths from communicable disease dropped in the 1980s to around 50 per hundred thousand population, from 800 per hundred thousand in 1900. So. It's 50 per 100,000 down from 800 per 100,000. That's in a 50-year, or excuse me, 80-year time frame. By the 20th century, more people were dying of old age and heart attacks than from contagious illnesses. So this goes on and on, basically explaining why uh, it it sets the stage for where what Fauci inherited, which was uh, basically he was sent to the backwater. He was sent to some be some paper pusher in a in a backwater office and he decided that he wasn't just going to stay there he was going to create something he was going to be a basically a crisis creator so in 1955 as deaths from epidemic disease declined NIAID's forerunner organization at the NIH the National Microbiological Institute the NMI became part of the NIAID Again, that's where Fauci is. To reflect the diminished national significance of infectious diseases and the unexplained increases in allergic and immune system diseases, Congress ordered the NIAID to support innovative scientific approaches to address the causes of these diseases and find better ways to prevent and treat them. But food allergies and asthma were still so rare to be considered remarkable. And eczema was practically unknown as were most autoimmune diseases. So again, it's just, I mean, it's, we're going on and on about uh, basically setting the stage again. So, yeah, I mean, Adam, I'll turn that over to you. Anything that like, stick out from that? I mean, I thought that was pretty interesting. That's why I kind of wanted to jump in there. I, I mean, a lot of that is, um, it kind of sets the groundwork for what ultimately becomes the big uh, AZT um basically trial or not or uh I, I don't even know what you call it right the experiment yeah well i mean it, <clears throat> the very fact is without these viruses nobody's gonna know who anthony Fauci is that's just what it comes down to and uh he's being able to make a whole career of fear mongering and scaring people and that's what he does uh and he's like the head of that whole thing, and obviously he doesn't mind being the figurehead to this 
but I guess infectious disease outbreaks. It's um you know it's just sad all the people he's negatively affected, uh throughout his years doing this, especially as he kind of rose up through the the ranks and uh you know as AIDS became huge, uh that uh you know which is like a whole different discussion in itself you know the AIDS epidemic I mean that could be a lot of people don't even know the history you know of AZT and all that stuff that was going on back then because once you understand the history you understand what the reality is now and history always repeats itself and they just regurgitated the same nonsense lies that they did you know 30 years ago 40 years ago whatever you know that 80s were well because it's the same actors who are doing it too which yeah, is the yeah. funny thing i mean it's literally the same people janet yellen uh all chuck schumer joe biden um you know i mean <laughs> we're talking about anthony fauci obviously and the 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 deep state you know the people who are in the shadows the bureaucrats largely unelected who have been there forever they they probably have cobwebs hanging off of them Right, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're, some of them are so ancient. Well, it's unbelievable. They, they rely on Henry um, Kissinger. Is unbelievable that he is still alive. Yeah, it really is, and they they rely on people stu- people's stupidity to be successful. I mean, that's really what they're relying on. Um, and I'm not. It goes I'm back not, to like, the cleverness, man. It really does because that's they are the. But it's it's done in in a, a self serving way. And it's largely destructive because it's not it's it's not serving the truth. It's serving themselves, and they'll do it. That's why you know you hinted at uh, earlier. I think you were saying about Fauci, like how could you go through? How could you be old and still be playing this game? And it's just like it's just the game they know, <laughs> right? Yeah, and maybe in, in deep in their mind or their heart, they think that they're doing the right thing to some degree. I don't know. Uh, you can't really they. Fat. Well, they do because right, they justify it because it's they they feel they if it serves them, it's the right thing because they know best. They are the best. They are the most powerful. They truly look at most other people as cattle, no better than that. Because they're like, oh, they stay. They they look at that uh, in the prodigal son from the Old Testament. There's the story of the prodigal son, and when he leaves, he he comes to his senses when he's eating with pigs. Like he he lives this like real degenerate life, and he comes to his senses. He's like, "Wow, I'm I'm literally eating pig food. Only pigs eat with other pigs, you know." So it's like when people degrade themselves to such a degree and they they li- live like pigs. That's what the people running the show. And it, it, the irony is, of course, you know, you see Bill Gates sitting there eating uh, stuff in his face with a cheeseburger, uh, and it looks like he's ready to lactate. Right. And it's just this is the guy who's trying to tell you on the on the hand that he's better than you. So that's very interesting. It just shows you their disconnect. Um and to me, they're all compromised. And that's the only way that's the only reason why um they're probably doing this is because they can't even do the right thing even if they wanted to, because they've probably done so much fucked up shit that they all know about that it's just like a big house of cards. Like, you know, you bring me down, we're all going down. So we might as well just keep it going. Uh, and until the end. And uh, <clears throat> one thing I will say, though, like, they'll see this till the end and they will um, do it in a way where 
the public will not blame them. You know, the, the, they'll, they'll do it in a way where the, the public's not going to blame, you know, the politicians or the Federal Reserve System or, you know, they'll, they'll make it so that, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the end result will be, but they'll make it so that they get off scot-free at the end of the day. Teflon Tony. Teflon Don. Yeah, exactly. Can't touch him, man. Can't catch him. Yeah, fucking slippery Pete. Slippery Pete. <laughs> that's a good one. Is that that's great? I like that slippery Pete. I can't. I don't like it. But I mean, I like it. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm All right, on that. I think on that on that note, on slippery Pete, we're gonna go to break, and when we come back, we will go to DeSantis and Trump. See you when we come back.
All right, welcome back to the Optimal State, Optimal State Podcast. Uh, this is uh, one of your hosts, Adam. And uh, I'm going to get into kind of the Ron DeSantis-Trump feud that's been going on for the past few months, which is very interesting because uh, you have a bunch of candidates that, um, well, some have come forward and saying that they are going to run, like Nick, uh, Nikki Haley. And uh, obviously Trump's running. We don't know about DeSantis. But uh, I, I just want to talk about that dynamic because I I personally feel that we're kind of getting set up for the same old story, same old, you know, the same old political two-party system <clears throat> nonsense that we always get. And uh, it's kind of sad because it ends up just limiting our choices at the end of the day. Um, you know, they push these false candidates forward. And uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, there are things that I like about DeSantis, but he's like a very shadowy figure that we really don't know a lot about. Uh, he just wrote this book uh, recently. And uh, and a lot of it actually is missing some important information. Uh, and it, so it kind of makes him kind of like this shadowy figure that's kind of always been around the military mil, military industrial complex uh he went to yale harvard i mean you look at any past president they usually have those credentials uh obama was harvard uh bush was yale um so obama was columbia too i, I believe yeah yeah so you know Columbia is <laughs> another where, one and, and you know it just kind of feels we're being set up and that's kind of the way I look at it. Uh, Trump, I mean, he's going to be eighty years. Let me old, just so. uh, let me just ask real quick the yeah, the yeah, same, yeah, this ahead, thing that was that was kind of missing, right? You were suggesting that there was kind of like the shadowy past. Is that related to military experience? Well, that's why I said yeah, surrounding the military industrial complex, yeah, right. um, because he did go to Guantanamo for some time, and I remember I sent you that article, or I don't know if it's a video of a enemy combatant that we had there um, he said that DeSantis was in charge of basically enforcing uh, or he said he was there to protect the uh, the inmates that were there uh, but he was actually there to make sure that the information of the torture didn't get out and, and that it was limited uh, that was this man's perspective. Uh, I forgot his name. I, Jerry, remember that video? It was a video I sent you, right? Yeah, no, I, I know. And I, I, my takeaway was that Ron seems like a person who may have like a special set of talents, right? You know, he's the guy that they call in when they need someone to talk and they need him to talk, you know? So, and I don't even know exactly what that fully means. I just know that he, because I think he, it's kind of like you were saying, he, it's a shadowy world. I mean, a lot of that stuff is, it's, it's intentionally shadowy because I think you got to have a real hard head to understand how, how real intense some of that stuff could be in that world. I mean, they, they, they keep it puppies and rainbows for a reason for the people on the outside of all that. I think he seems like a guy who certainly has, 
And I don't even mean in a way like he has like hollowed out eyes or seems like shock, but I, I it seems like he reminds me a bit of, I mean, of a lot of military guys. They just seem like they have experienced more so they could uh, kind of endure more. Oh, That's totally. Fair, if, right? you're, if you're stationed in Guantanamo Bay yet, and you're in this position, you've obviously witnessed torture. This man's totally, obviously totally. desensitized to to a certain degree, and uh, that's people that they love, and that's why they put people who, you know, are, are borderline psychotic as uh, these leaders, because uh, especially ones with military experience. Um, and to me, the connection goes more than just hearsay and like, oh, how I feel about him. Because if you if you look at the, you know, the system that, you know, these presidents have come to fruition, you look at George Bush Sr., head of the CIA. Right, exactly. Deep state connections, for sure. And I mean, it go it goes back to that. Creation of uh, CIA and the FBI. Well, it, so this... Um, he was the governor of Arkansas. Bill Clinton was the governor of Arkansas. And the CIA ran this front of corporation called Air America, where they were transporting co- uh, cocaine uh, during the um, Iran-Contra uh, situation. And, it, it, and you can look all this up, Air America. That it's, all, you know, it's all public knowledge. And uh, they were flying into Arkansas, Mena, Arkansas. That's where they were flying into. And the governor, fucking Bill Clinton, so, uh, and then, which obviously we know led to the crack epidemic um, and all these people, you know, they had court hearings about it. I mean, all this stuff, you know, you can look on the internet and this is all true. Um, so, and then who's the president after that? You have George Bush Jr., CIA. Uh, his father was CIA. So he's obviously got a CIA connection there. Um, More crisis yeah. creators. That yeah, seems to be yeah, the theme exactly. of what we're discussing, then, right? Then, I mean, so, all that, like all this stuff that has happened under this man's reign, and you know, and people were okay with it. It's just like it's obscene, you know. I mean, I, I just don't see a leader getting away with that, and like, in a, in like hundreds of years ago, because they were just, you know, could you imagine like this guy literally didn't even have like one good year of being a president. And, you know, and they try to make it seem like, oh, it's George Bush, you know, uh, Jr. And, you know, what a, what a funny guy to have a beer with. It's like, no, no, he's not funny. You know, I mean, well, they're doing he, the same thing with Biden in a way. It's like it's this kind of it's it's like this incompetent. It's it's uh, the weekend at Bernie's thing. You know, I mean, it's it's deliberately done where they make him seem like a buffoon, like this old dotard who. And I mean, I'm not saying that's not even the reality, but it's it's a deflection point in a way. It gives some form of a, just the same way Trump kind of was a punching bag for he he separates the the masses that the angry masses from the actual system. And I mean, they, they, all these more public facing figures kind of well, do that, but running the country, and that's like. Uh, you know, that's that's what I think, especially George uh, George Bush Jr. I mean, he's like, he he's, and that's what I, 
that's why I think that they try to rely on people to vote for them is because they have like that endearing old man quality or he's an endearing, um, you know, uh, endearing home, homey look that you can have a beer with. It's, it's just it's stupid. Yeah, I mean, it's going away, I think. I think a lot of that, it has to. I was, it's, you know, life is short for all of us. And that's just not, it can't last, that outlook. It's already, it's being challenged in so many ways. So I think it's it's good riddance soon. I just hope they don't blow up the world as, they, as they're leaving. But it seems like they're hell-bent on it. Yeah, I, I, I think that, they they are definitely always up to something. It's just how far they do they want to take it. You know what what is, um, they have a plan and direction for society. Obviously, um, it's just just to to say that it's a conspiracy to think the United States is like leading this direction of you know where the world is going because, um, the world is just. Um, rapidly developing at such a fast pace that uh, I, you know, we could find ourselves in a, a situation in the future that we, we would we could never thought that we would ever be in. Um, and I, I, you know, I'm not saying it's all it's not in like a doom and gloom way, but I just think with technology um, is going to be our imprisonment at the end of the day. So then, how do you? retain that level of sovereignty how do you retain that level of independence right because that's what's required to kind of not be doom and gloom and i think that as we kind of near the end of of this episode and and i think we kind of should explore this idea of independence because uh that's that's more of like a a good note to end on um so ultimately I would say that that would be the way to challenge that sort of like technocratic dystopia that you were describing uh, that that we know they are they want to move us towards right eat the bugs you wouldn't be happy you know nothing you know as and I totally see Klaus Schwab's head like floating in like a vat of amniotic green fluid you know and I, I'm sure he does as well like he wakes up happy thinking of the day that. It'll just be a floating head in a in a jar, but they that's it's it's Futurama. I I it's Futurama really, right? Like that's what they envision. Matt Groening is kind of crazy like that. I think he sees into how these people's heads work. Cerise of the Simpsons is like very prophetic with a lot of things. But anyway, I was wondering, dude, what were you th- what would you think like in terms of, and especially you guys listening, what do you think is the way to like establish independence like what do you think is like the ultimate ways like moving forward to do that well i mean to me you know you have two choices you can either be a slave to your fellow man or you just live independently because you don't have there's nothing that can hold you back because you have a all that matters is to to you is that connection that you have with the universe itself and there's nothing in between that and that's like true independence to me where you know you live by a certain morals and you 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 do the right thing and the more independent you the more independent you become 
the more you find that the connection that you have with you know the creative force that out there that is out there is like is meaningful and we you can do whatever it is that you want to do and have the freedom to do what you want to do and that's same it has nothing to do with finance has nothing to do with like you know uh being a fucking billionaire because that's not what it's about but i, I think independence is just being able to make your own decisions and knowing that there's nothing that's going to get in the way of whatever it is that you believe that's great man i don't disagree with that i would have maybe a slightly different interpretation but i i think that's great that that's your interpretation uh mine would be more along the lines of and i'm not and i think you would agree with what i'm going to say as well but i would say that being able to take care of yourself without any anything being being dependent on anything else or anyone else i think is the the optimal state of independence the epitome of independence if you will uh and i think it's not necessarily about being able to do anything it's more about not having to rely so i don't know is that almost like a negative or i view it more as a positive because it's not needing any input like it's it's being able to be a self-sustained entity boy well, i, and- I, I- well, I was going to say just because like a lot of people would say, well, I'm independent because I have all, you know, I'm, I'm this, I'm that. But, you know, then they are, you know, they're enslaved by, you know, the, the people that we were just talking about with like the vaccines and stuff like that. So how right. independent are you when you're living in a world where you're letting, you know, these people, these bureaucrats. Right. And you got to think, how am I? these things that I want to do or the, this freedom that I have, how is it, what, what am I giving up for that? Like what, how am I no longer independent in certain ways? Like what, what, what in the system do I have to depend on now? Yeah, I think, yeah. Um, It's just, I, I just believe it's a independence is just, be, you know, being able to make your own decisions and not, you know, uh, feel that there's people getting in the way of that. Um, I, I think that people allow themselves to you lose their independence because they allow people on the outside to get in the way <laughs> for some reason. I don't know why, you know, and. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're it's almost like we're conditioned for to seek validation always as opposed to seeking the truth. And now more than ever, it seems people are being indoctrinated with that. It's it's like get that uh acceptance from the group always. Uh but the truth is what you make it. My truth, my truth. It's not the truth, it's my truth. And that's supposed to be celebrated. And that's that's a problem. And I and uh that's what we're seeing now, and I think that's largely the pushback, is people are like, no, no, no. We want the truth, not some version of it, because it'll ultimately always be changing. And and chaos can never – chaos does not exist perpetually. Like, there, there will be order put in that chaos, you know? It's just like all these – 
anarchists who really propose for absolute anarchy. And I know there's varying like tiers of anarchy, but if you have a total vacuum of authority, some sort of a, a form of authority is going to come in and fill that at some point. And the people who want anarchy, who are saying, no, no, this is anarchist, who's going to support that anarchy? Who is going to, you know what I'm saying? Who is going to be the, the force that supports that if we're living in a truly lawless society? Because the guy who has the, the bigger army or even whatever he they do whatever just makes them stronger just controls the roads the the decides they want to uh just say we're going to we're we own this bridge and we're setting up a toll here and uh you got paid and our would be like no and the toll bridge would be like well what are you going to do about it but you know i i just think if you can maintain your maintain your independence through everything that's going on in this in times like these. And I think a lot of people are lo- losing their individuality. Everybody wants the easy way out. And uh, everybody just is, wants to be in. Uh, and they really feel left out if they aren't in, I guess. I, I don't even know what in means, but uh, it, it could be in social media. It could be really, you know, you know go, going crazy traveling and just trying to be a certain person. I mean, who knows? But uh, I mean, those are just examples. But I, I think that you know, you you want to <clears throat> be independent of other people's control. And that's the best thing you can ever do. That's good, man. All right. I think we will end with that. Anything else we should leave the people with? <clears throat> no, have a great weekend, everybody. And I'm sure we'll have plenty more of, uh, of fun coming uh, this way they, they always they're always giving us more ammunition to have these podcasts it's like unlimited supply that's right good times make weak men weak men make the bad times and the bad times make great stories for us to jump into so i guess that's uh that's where we're at and hopefully the the optimal state comes from the ashes that's the plan all right everyone Y'all have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.